Good morning, I'm Michael, one of the pastors at the church. Thrilled that you are with us on this Sunday morning. We are in Matthew 21. Um, by the way, that was a really cool Show Me Your Glory song. I don't know if anyone else felt like you were in the stadium with this awesome rock ballad, and then they just AJ's, bah, 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 you know, it was awesome. Very cool. I thought it was really neat. I was going to get my lighter out, but I don't smoke. Uh, Matthew 21 is where we are. Jesus just made the entry. If you weren't here last week, he comes into Jerusalem. The city is, is just swollen with millions of people celebrating the Passover festival. Here comes Jesus. They don't understand why he's there. But he continues. Uh, Matthew twenty one twelve. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the merchants and their customers. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the stalls of those selling doves. He said, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a place of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him and healed them there in the temple. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the little children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But they were indignant and asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes. He replied, haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany where he stayed overnight. Now, a couple of things you need to know about what's going on here. If you don't know the Greek, you miss a little bit. So when it says he enters the temple, um, there are two words in Greek that are used to talk about the temple. The first is naos, N-A-O-S, naos. Now, naos speaks of the actual temple, the holy of holies, the holy place. In the temple's architecture and makeup, it was huge, right? It was a massive structure. Inside, you have to go through all this stuff. Then you get into the naos, the temple, where the Holy of Holies dwelt, where God actually lived. Now, only one person was ever allowed into that part of the temple, and that was the high priest, the chief priest. And that was the only person, and only one day a year, the Day of Great Atonement. This was a special area. Now, the other word for temple um, uh, that is used in Greek is hieron. And hieron basically means a, a series of courtyards that makes up the rest of what we call the temple. Now, the temple began with the court of the Gentiles. And in the court of the Gentiles, anyone was allowed access. It didn't matter who you were, from what tribe or from what race or nationality. It didn't matter. In the court of the Gentiles, all were allowed access. Then you would go through this uh, gate, which was known as the beautiful gate. As you walked through the beautiful gate, you would enter the court of the women. Now, in the court of the women, if you were not an Israelite and you stepped foot in there, they would kill you. They took it seriously. This was where the rest of the world stays out and the chosen ones get to come forward. Into the court of the women. So the Jews got to move into the court of the women. Inside the court of the women, as you go further into the temple, you would come across this gate that was built of Corinthian bronze. And it was huge. Um, and and it, uh, it took 20 people to move this gate, to operate this gate. And inside that was the court of the Israelites. And, where, and that's where all of the people would gather as they would celebrate a service or ceremony. Inside the court of the Israelites... You would go through another gate into the court of the priests. In the court of the priests, you were only allowed to be in there if you were a 
priest. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Yeah, only if you were a priest were you allowed to be in there. This is where the altar was. This is where sacrifices took place. This is where the workings, the inner workings of the temple would occur. So, and, and then right at the end of the court of priests was the holy place and the holy of holies. Now, you have all of these different aspects of the temple. The word used here is hieron. So we know it's talking about something other than the holy of holies. We also know that he's talking about the court of the Gentiles because that is where the money changers and the booths set up to sell doves would have been located. So you have this massive temple. And what Jesus does here is he goes to the temple. You know, he's just made this triumphal entry. Millions of people are there because of the Passover celebration. They're shouting at the top of their lungs, Hosanna. Save us. God, save us. They want him to be this militaristic ruler, to come in and to violently overthrow the Romans and to bring the glory to the Jews the way they believe that it should happen. And if you remember, we talked about he kind of came in and in, uh, I think it was Luke, it says that he wept because they don't get it. They still don't get it. They're treating him like this military king, this violent ruler. And that's not what he's about at all. He is the king. He is the Messiah, but he's a different kind than they are expecting. So he comes in. He walks in this entry and he goes straight to the temple. He goes into the court of the Gentiles and he gets a little angry. He starts throwing tables over. Now, most people, if you um, are a Christian, you've heard of this, uh, this scripture. It talks about the turning of the temple, the, the, the turning of the tables and throwing over. It's the one time we really get to see Jesus get hot under the collar or the robe, as the case may be. You know, it's one time we get to see him get angry. And a lot of times we, we set it up, oh, because they're selling stuff in the temple. No, that was normal. That was a practice. Here's, here's what was happening in the temple. At the time of Passover, you had to pay your temple tax. Every Jew had to pay their temple tax every year. And it occurred at the time of Passover. The temple tax was the money that was paid to the temple so that the temple could operate. It was um, a shekel or half a shekel, I think. I can't remember which. About a shekel. So we'll say, we'll call it a shekel. So you had to pay your shekel temple tax every year. Now, a month before Passover, little booths would be set up in the villages around Jerusalem. And if you lived in one of the villages outside, you'd go up to the booth, you could pay your temple tax, you're done. But if you missed the time, because they, at a certain point they would cut off the booths, they would come back to Jerusalem, you had to pay your temple tax at the actual temple. If you were a Jew who lived somewhere where a booth didn't get set up, you had to come and pay your temple tax during Passover at the temple. Now, the temple doesn't want just any kind of money paid for its temple tax. You know, for instance, they wouldn't want a peso. You try paying a peso, they're like, this is worthless. No, um, they wanted something that was of high quality. They didn't want silver. Um, they, they wanted uh, a, a, a specific type of coin. They wanted three. Uh, were the were the acceptable ones one was um, the shekels of the sanctuary so they had their own kind of currency if you had one of those good to go Um, if you had a uh, galilean half shekel you could pay two of those and you're good so a galilean half shekel worked or any coin from um, the tyrrhenian currency because that was apparently really good stuff it was high quality metal and they were good with that so One of those three things. Now, say you're um, some guy who's coming in from a foreign land or you're just really poor and you don't have that kind of access, access to that kind of coin. But you need to pay your temple tax. How do you do it? 
money changer. You go to the guys who are set up in the court of the Gentiles. You're like, hey, I need to pay my, my shekel tax, my temple tax, and uh, I have this currency. I need to give you this so that you can then give me the correct currency in which to pay my tax. They would charge a fee for this. You know, you go to the airport when you get off uh, in a airport currency exchange when you're in a foreign country. You say, hey, here's five bucks. Give me seven billion pesos and you're ready to go. You know, um, you do your temple, your, your uh, money change there. This is a similar occurrence. Th- this is what would happen. They would charge a fee for it. Now, the fee was known as a guol bomb. And the guol bomb uh, was basically seen as a few different things. One, it was um, just a free will offering free will offering. Um, It would go to uh, pave roads. It would go to um, buy supplies for the temple. It would go to buy the gold plates that they were um, wanting to like enclose the entire temple in gold. And so they were saving money to buy these gold plates or it would just simply go into the temple treasury. You know, okay, that's fine. That's a practice. We have to pay to get the temple to work. We're good with that. Um, However, the money changers would go, you know, there's a little bit for the temple and a little bit for me. And corruption started coming in. Corruption started taking hold of this practice. That's the money changers. The second thing was the selling of the doves. Now, every time you came to the temple to do something, you had to bring a sacrifice with you. The most commonly used sacrificial animal was a dove. Uh, For example, if you are a woman and you have just given birth to a child, in order to be clean in the eyes of God again, you had to go to the temple, sacrifice a dove, and then you'd be okay to go to synagogue and all those sorts of things. So a dove was a very important animal. When you came and you brought your dove, now say you're um, Jim Bob and you live out on the farm and you raise your own dove. Great. Take your dove, you walk into the temple, you hand it to the official inspector. The official inspector would raise a couple of wings, open the beak. This isn't good enough. You need to get another dove. But you're in luck because we have a booth set up right over here for you. And you'd go over to the temple booth and you'd buy a dove of high standard quality. And of course, you want to offer something great and worthy to God. So every Jew's like, okay, I get it. But the problem is they would charge you 15 times. What a dove right outside the walls of the temple would cost. So they were just robbing people. Because in order to make the sacrifice and be right with God, you had to follow the law. The law says you must present a dove of worthiness for the sacrifice. Well, they got to decide who or what was worthy. The high priest at one time um, owned all of those dove booths. And they called him the Bazaars of Anas, because his last name was Anas. And, and so he collected that money and became really wealthy. The problem with both of these things is that if you're poor, if you have no money, if you are coming to, to worship God and to, to get right with God and to, to be a part of this community and, and you get hit and hit and hit by surcharge and surcharge and upcharge and all these things, It could devastate you financially. Some Jews probably knowing what was happening inside the court of the Gentiles with all these taxes and different things going on, chose not to go. I can't afford it. So here Jesus is angry at these people, not because of the actual practice, 
but because of what it had turned into. He understood the money changing and the selling of the doves and and coming to worship and allowing you a place to worship. But what had happened is the exploitation of those who didn't have. And that's when his anger came up. Here's another thing. The court of the Gentiles, if you remember, is the only place for a Gentile to enter the temple of God. It's the only place that someone who was not a Jew had access to this home. Now, at any given time, there were probably Gentiles in the court of the Gentiles because it was a magnificent structure, beautiful building. When we were in Turkey, we went to the Blue Mosque. It's an amazing building. We walked through. They were doing daily prayers. There's a section set off for people like me. Go in, you look at the building, you're in awe of this architecture and how this thing stands and everything, and then you go out. People were coming to see it. The Roman historians have, have written about how beautiful this building was. It was something. If you're in Jerusalem, hey, stop by the temple. It's pretty cool. You know, you don't come to San Antonio without seeing the Alamo. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of the thing. So there was Gentiles there. But think of this also. Say you're a Gentile and you feel this tug of God. And you want to be where God is. The only place that you have to go is the court of the Gentiles. So you go to this court of the Gentiles and you feel like God is just there and you just want to be in a moment of prayer and worship and God, show me your glory. But then you have this massive bazaar going on. People shouting and haggling over a money changer, over doves and, and people competing for, um, you know, uh, for customers. You know, Daryl's over there and he's selling doves. He's like, hey, come over here. I'll give you a dove for three dollars. And I'll be like, hey, I'll give you two for five dollars. His doves are inferior quality. Come on over to Crazy Crockers and just going nuts because we know that we're going to make money off of this. And we're trying to sell and get it, you know, and, and so this this den of thieves, as Jesus called it. It wasn't that they were doing it, but it was the fact that it had become corrupt in it. And what had occurred is, one, they were preventing people who didn't have access to the kingdom. And two, they were preventing the Gentiles' access to the kingdom as well. So Jesus comes into his dad's house, and he sees that these people are being excluded, and he goes, "Uh uh-uh. This isn't going to happen. And so he throws tables over. And people scatter. But a really cool thing happens. And if you don't know behind the music story, you miss something. Who comes to him? The blind and the lame. Great. Why is that significant? Turn, if you will, to Second Samuel chapter 5. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 6. David then led his troops to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites. You'll never get in here, the Jebusites taunted. Even the blind and lame could keep you out. For the Jebusites thought they were safe. But David captured the fortress of Zion, now called the city of David. When the insulting message from the defenders of the city reached David, he told his own troops, go up through the water tunnel into the city and destroy those lame and blind Jebusites. How I hate them. That is the origin of the saying, the blind and the lame may not enter the house. So David made the fortress of his home, and he called it the city of David. He built additional fortifications around the city, starting blah, blah, blah. You see the rest of it. Now, the important word, the verse there is, 
when he says this, this is the origination of the city saying, the blind and the lame will not be in my house. You have David from whom the Messiah will come. King David. He takes Jerusalem in this amazing military feat. And as he gets there, now, regardless of whether or not he really said this, it became an unwritten rule. The blind and the lame are not allowed in the house of God. And what does Jesus do? Who come to him? The blind and the lame. This was King David from whom this kind of tradition came. And here you have Jesus turning things over and saying, this isn't how it's done. And the blind and the lame come to him. See, so often institutions become corrupt for one purpose or another. And so often the church has become corrupt. And so often the church has sought to keep the blind and the lame away. The blind and the lame. We look at someone and say, whoa, you're blind. You can't come in here. You're lame. No. And what Jesus was doing is he was bringing this, this, this message of inclusion, not exclusion. The exploitation of those people just destroyed his heart. And so he got riled up and started throwing things. And the very people who had been kept out, he brought in and he healed them. And yet 2,000 years later, a lot of times we don't want the blind in our sanctuary. We don't want the lame in our worship centers. Who are we to keep them away from the Holy of Holies? Who are we to block someone access to the kingdom of heaven? Because what I see here is God opening up an amazing entrance into the kingdom of heaven. This is my house, and I came and died and rose again for all who would call on my name. Not our place to say who gets in and who doesn't. Hey, I judge. I judge. Somebody called me on it the other day, and I went... You're right. We all judge from time to time. But it was Jesus Christ in his entrance as he comes in to the holy city, to the city of David. He comes in and they're shouting for this Messiah that would not be. But he came in being the Messiah who he was and is and will be again. One who breaks down walls. One who breaks down misconceptions and barriers and and offers and grants access to the kingdom of heaven. As we call on his name, the power of the name of Jesus Christ, we 
he, he comes in. He, he comes in and he says, look, it's not for you to decide who can come to me. It's for you to open your arms and share my love with the world. And then I like to picture Jesus spiking one last dove cage and walking out. Right? I mean, this is the incredible entrance and exit because he leaves the city again. He's like, I'll be back. But think about this. The kingdom of heaven is not ours to control. Access to God is not ours to give. It is his and his alone. We are instruments in sharing that control and sharing that love and sharing that access. So come, if you're blind, if you're lame, come. And let's join in the celebration of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you and praise you for the gift of life that you have given us. For those moments when we have been blind and you gave us sight. For those moments when we were lame and you allowed us to walk. We thank you. God, help us to realize that we all are in need of your glory. Every one of us. And help us to take that glory and to shine it to the world. Forgive us for those moments when we have excluded people. Help us to open our arms, your arms, so that all may enter the kingdom. In Jesus' name.